This show is brought to you by Prophecy Labs. Visit prophecylabs.com to learn how they can help you reduce your cloud cost. All right, joining me today is Anton Grishko. He's the chief architect at Prophecy Labs. Anton, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. All right. Well, uh, first, you're the, we were just doing in the pre-show. You're one of the first people to ever bring snacks to the podcast. So I wish I, uh, I wish I could virtually, uh, you know, share them with you. But uh, nonetheless, I w- we will not have any snacks during the podcast. But we will have a great discussion, hopefully around uh, managing cloud cost and FinOps, and we'll all get a little bit educated on that. But before we jump into all that, um, I think you have a pretty interesting background. So I was hoping you can kind of tell us about yourself and you know, how did you get into technology. Yeah. Sure. So basically, I'm currently on the position of chief architect at Prophecy Labs, but before that, I was a solution architect. And before that, I was working as a DevOps cloud architect for more than six years. And I also was a, just like a simple DevOps engineer, was a team lead of DevOps, uh, DevOps team. And I started my IT career with uh, system administration. I was a system administrator, um, like playing with the hardware, playing with the data centers. This is my like main, main start of the career. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I like it. Uh, playing with the data centers. Like we all played in the data centers at one point in our we'll careers, I think, it, yeah. before they, before all the data centers slowly went away. But uh, I like that. And so, you know, one of the things I really saw in your background and I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective on it because there's a lot of conversations about DevOps right now, right? There's the DevOps culture talk. There's this kind of, um, I don't know, running discussion. Is DevOps dead, right? Has it sort of like, you know, you know, kind of run its course? Is it now platform engineering? And uh, just given that you have, you know, both implemented, I would say you've been a part of implementing DevOps in your previous career, as well as kind of probably using it day to day to deliver your own products. I just, I wanted to get your take, like, you know, kind of, we'll start with the kind of simple things, like, how do you define DevOps? And when you're trying to like, if you will educate or bring it to a new company, what do you do? Nice. It's a really great question. So first of all, let's start with the first part, like uh, what DevOps is and what those people, who those people are and what they're doing, actually. So for me, DevOps is actually a methodology. It's definitely a methodology, definitely a process within the company. company. And I saw a bunch of different teams, uh, like a developer teams. It's a development team, no DevOps engineers at all, and they're just doing all the DevOps, DevOps uh, part on their own. They're automating the whole infrastructure. They're responsible for the application. But this is the rare case. You know, usually, usually what companies doing, the companies is building the DevOps process within the company, which can be, can be just a methodology between the developers. But usually it's a dedicated organizational structure. It's a dedicated DevOps team. Uh, or it could be like a, a big DevOps, DevOps structure when you have um, DevOps engineers assigned per each project or per each team. So that's like one of the cases. Um, how I was like doing the DevOps, DevOps. I've been in a lot of different uh, different projects. I've been a part of the startups and I also was uh, even working for a couple of American banks. And like uh, how DevOps <laughs> is implemented in the startups in the banks is totally different. Story, <laughs> I, I bet. I bet. I bet. <laughs> You've got some stories there. Uh-huh. Go on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally different. For the startups, I mean, it's it's simple. We just agree between between each and everyone within the startup. Startup is usually a small company, so it's very easy to 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 promote the ideas, promote the methodology, and basically you agree that each and everyone will will be working based on DevOps practices. 
um, everything will be automated and you will be you will be playing based on a book let's say like that on the other side the banks or big enterprise companies they do it completely different they they like the like process way when you have a, a document which explains explains how devops interacts with the with the other devops they usually have um, as it's called um, uh, devops compet uh, competency within the company when you have uh, solution architects, so you have a DevOps architects on top of the company, and they are acting acting as a consultant to to DevOps organization. So they basically building the let's call them building blocks. They're building the frameworks, they're building the procedures, they're building the processes, and then they're just giving those processes processes to other DevOps teams within the company, and they're just exploring like. Right. Data. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like at a bank, yeah. that's a good example. Like, you know, maybe for all the people, because I think this is something everybody's trying to figure out. It's like, we have these great ideas. We want to implement the methodology. We want to become the culture and a bank, you know, we'll just use that as a little, maybe a little bit unfairly, but we'll pick on banks for a second. It's like, that's the kind of organization that feels like it's often many people kind of work there and they come back and they say, Oh, it's just too hard. Can't do it at a bank. I just wondered, you know, maybe for everybody, since you've done it a couple of times, like, are there any, like, do you have any tricks or tips about, okay, we're at, we've got the uh, pipeline set up. We've got our DevOps tooling maybe figured out, but, but really, you know, as you know, to get everybody on board is like, we need to get the, the banking team on, like, we want them to buy in. Is there anything that you've found that like makes that process go better or go faster? Oh, uh, again, it's a good question. Banks are very specific. They're like, it's uh, very specific. Inside the banks, it's really hard to implement anything new, like any new processes or methodology. It's very hard to do that. Um, what I found that uh, within the banks or within the enterprise companies, because it's, it's pretty much the same story, you, uh, you can create the pipeline, you can automate everything, you can use the infrastructure. Of course, you can do that. You can do that, but it doesn't mean that everyone else will, will, will be using that. Even your team, your dev team, it doesn't matter that they will be using it. And you, you need to go, you need to communicate with them, you need to convince them to, to start working on a, um, on a new methodology, start using the, the pipelines that you created, and so on and so on. So the first, communication. The, like, the first key is communication. By the way, personally, I was always thinking that DevOps role is more about communication between developers and operations services. Like you're sitting in the middle and you need to communicate with everyone. Um, and that's, that's the first within the banks that you need to do, the communication. Second, um, good documentation. It's, this is what um, a lot of engineers lacking. <laughs> They're not creating documentation. Uh, I'm also the one who who's don't prefer, don't like to create the documentation, but we need to do that. And this is the second thing that you can do, create a clear, documentation it should be like a state of the art it should be with something that explains what what you're trying to achieve and then again share the documentation with the team within the bank share it with your manager with your higher higher management try to uh, show them the benefits of that why they should should be using that and last but not least again you need to talk to your managers you need to convince them you need to create the presentations as always this is what um <laughs> Like a biggest, biggest skill that I got within the bank is basically to create the presentations. You need to create yeah. all of them, a lot of them, and you need to convince your managers that, hey guys, like, let's do DevOps. We'll be deploying like 
many times per week and that's why um, our kpi will be much more higher our velocity will be bigger and so on so on i like it. i think you offer some practical advice i think in the end um you know so many people want to talk about this but i think the things you just outlined there right you know good communication good documentation and then you know if you want to call it evangelism of advocacy or selling devops and it's it's selling. you know one of the things i noticed that you didn't say in there was it's and this is the conversation we have all the time is it's really not about technology, right? All of those things are really mm-hmm. the human side. And um, I think as, you know, a technologist and people that like tools, myself included, um, sometimes it can be hard to embrace that. It's like, that's really what success is. And it's things outside of the technology. So I think that's, that's all good advice. Maybe it's a little bit of eat your vegetables, but I always like, you know, when people kind of, you know, Hey, it is what it is sometimes. And that's, it that's is what, what it, it takes. Is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can give you, by the way, speaking about technology, I can give you another example. Um, I was a part of the startup and we started the startup from scratch. And initially we thought that, okay, like we uh, were starting the startup from scratch. We should do like state of the art. Like we should use the latest technology. We should do everything, like everything that possibly is, uh, possibly we can, we can implement. And we did it. We, it took us one year just to, to, to complete the first POC. <laughs> of the startup why because right. again we we choose the the latest and greatest we took yep. a lot of time and startup failed because we we were out of money yeah well that's that's unfortunately that's another common story if you get you know you know you can have the great because you know and behind all of this is like business value right you can have the best tools the best process but if you lose track of the business value just what you said you run <laughs> at some point you run out of money out and of money. Uh, things that's like it. that so it's well, about speak- technology yeah yeah. Well, speaking uh, of uh, money and things like that, you know, one of the things I wanted to uh, really bring you on today and things we want to talk a lot about was, you know, this idea of managing uh, cloud costs and a little bit about FinOps. So I know you are now over at uh, Prophecy Labs, and I thought we would start with, you know, exactly what is Prophecy Labs and, you know, tell me the story about behind it. Who started it? Why did you start it? Yeah, sure, sure. It's, by the way, it's a great story. So first of all, um, uh, there is a company called Prophecy. Uh, Prophecy is the DevOps service company. So basically, it's a DevOps company, and we're providing the DevOps services. That's how our company started. company started by Vera Shulman and Vladi Shulman. They're both from Israel. The headquarter of, uh, headquarter of the company is in Israel, and they started this company seven years ago. And the idea of the company was to provide the DevOps services, which we which we're doing perfectly for the last seven years. Like we're doing migration projects, optimization, infrastructure as a code, working with the different clouds and so on and so on. And while we were doing those projects, uh, and again, you need to understand that we have a lot of them. So we have a lot of projects and it could be like startups, it could be enterprise companies all over, all over the world. And while we're doing those projects, customers started to ask the questions. And it's like the same questions that each and every DevOps engineer hurt in his life. It's like, please go and give me the list of resources that I have on my cloud accounts or on, on all of my cloud accounts. Please go and calculate, uh, calculate what's my uh, cost for this month, last month, for the last half a year, what's going to be the prediction, uh, why I'm paying so big amount of money. Let's reduce it somehow. Please uh, go and suggest me a couple of the options how to reduce that. Can you check the best practices on it? on the cloud? Can you check security? And um, and those questions, they're like the same from customer to customer. And we, how we DevOps engineers, we're doing that. 
we were doing it like in a semi-automatic way. Like you have your own script, it could be bar scripts plus Python, plus you're using a bunch of different tools, plus a bunch of different platforms. And at the end you have Excel file and you're analyzing all of that inside Excel file in 2022. Well, <laughs> again, mm -hmm. sounds very Excel familiar. File. Go on, yes, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and we saw that it, it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be doing that. We, we're wasting a lot of time for that. Because for me, just analyze one account, even if that account is like a medium account, it has like maybe like 200, no, even less, like 100 servers. You have a couple of the, like a two request clusters and you have like a database and, and Redis and that's it. And you just need to analyze it. And it's taking a lot of your time to, to analyze it. And we saw that, okay, we need to help, uh, help first of all ourselves somehow with that. And we started to automate all of that. First of all, we started to do it by ourselves, just for ourselves, without any any like a startup. We created a, the the Python scripts first of all, then we created a backend out of that, and we had like a small tool which can quickly collect you the the services that you're using on the cloud, give you like a basic information of how much you're paying, and then like calculate you the the estimation till the end of the month. Um, this is what, what we were doing. And then our CEO and CTO of the company, Vladi and Vera, they, uh, they saw opportunity and they said that, wow, this is, this is amazing. Because if it's a pain for you, that's a pain for all of the DevOps, uh, DevOps engineers. Uh, because those questions customers are asking uh, um, always. And that's how we started the, uh, the startup. Startup is called Prophecy Labs. The naming is very, very simple. We have a company called Prophecy and we have labs. It's like R&D center within the company. So it's like a labs of the Prophecy. Yeah. So we started I'm, this. Uh, well, we I was going to say, it makes sense. Like, I think you're kind of following the, you know, a path that is like, uh, yeah. you know, one of the most popular paths, I think, to start companies is like, you know, you do a lot of consulting, yeah. you find those problems. And then from that, you start to like build the products. Uh, outside of yeah. it. So why don't, why don't we talk about that? Then it's sort of like when you sort of constrain all of this, you know, when you take all of the, you know, cause there's sort of like an infinite number of things you can, you can solve it's I know the focus has really been on, you know, cost management. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Like when you kind of built all these tools, how did you come to the realization that like reducing costs and maybe it's just as simple as, you know, that's what people are asking you, but like, why did you end up focusing there versus some other part of the the problem statement that you could be working on? Yeah, the, the FinOps part. So basically that was one of the biggest struggle for us to, to calculate how much and uh, how much customer can, uh, can uh, cut the costs and basically how he can do that. That was the biggest struggle for, for us as a DevOps engineers. Again, because you need to analyze all of that, you need to calculate all of that. And then probably it's uh, Israeli specific, like Israeli IT specific, but usually when you're working with the Israeli customers, they don't want to get only one option from you. They ask him, like, can you give me a couple of the options and I will choose the, the best Absolutely. Option. That's right. Give me three options and I will pick the one that I want. Of exactly. course. Of course. And I can totally you imagine understand. to calculate three different options to, to cut the cost? Like on a, on it a sounds like account? a very complicated it's spreadsheet is what it sounds like. It's but very go on. Exactly. Tell, tell me how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's why we decided, okay, so there is a pain related to the to the cutting the cost on the cloud. Um, then we find out that there is a FinOps and there is a FinOps uh, FinOps organization, a FinOps Foundation. We'll talk about that a little bit later. 
and uh, we decided that uh, yeah we need to focus on that we should build a platform that will be will be providing the recommendations how to save to save money on the cloud and basically not only providing recommendations but with the button apply so you can apply the recommendations that was the very important part because we found that not even customers even the devops engineers from a customer side they're too lazy to perform the action even if he see that he can like go and change the size of his instances and he will reduce like 20 30 percent of the cost they're all interesting lazy to do wow that, or so, overload it okay so I, I would say like I was going to say that interesting lazy, but it's like maybe maybe they just lack the proper incentive, right? It's just like, yeah, for them, it's like they don't save the money, right? It's sort of like just another thing. I don't know. What do you think? What, what is their motivation? Because I think most people would click the button to save money, but I feel like maybe they just get overwhelmed. Like, you know, what do you think? Yeah, um, it's also a good question. Why it's a good question? Um, I read an article like um, one year ago that's, that article was from uh, one of the AWS engineers. And the AWS engineer, he said that that um, when company is growing, when the startup is growing, basically the first that they should focus on is the business part. So they should focus on just getting the money, getting the uh-huh. money, getting the clients, and so on and so on. When the company is already like on a, on a round A, round B, when it's like established startup or established company, and they started to... Uh, to get like um, uh, the business started to get the exact same money from year to year with a slow growth. This is the time when you need to to start uh, looking for your for your infrastructure costs, infrastructure related costs. Got you right. This is mm-hmm. what he said, and uh, partially I uh, agree with that. Why? Because I've been in a company when like you're getting like a um, couple of millions of dollars in revenue per month. The company is getting. And you see that like you can you can save twenty thousand dollars on your infrastructure by like uh, reducing uh, some of the waste or changing the instance size. And companies saying to, uh, to you that hey, you know what? We're getting a couple of the millions per month, and we have a very good growth. Why should we um, keep our engineers busy by reducing on twenty thousand dollars our cost on the cloud while we can like develop a new feature and get even more customers right. and more revenue? Right. So it depends. It depends. For my personal opinion, FinOps should be a part of each and every every project. And FinOps not only like 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 a human or engineer. Like DevOps engineers should do that. They should track how much they're spending on the cloud. I like it. So wait, let's oh, pause there because I think you know this is something we, people the word that gets used a lot, but I don't think it's widely has a widely shared definition. So maybe let's just talk about FinOps. Like. How do you define FinOps and like what exactly is it when you kind of like sit down and actually start doing something? Yeah, nice. Uh, you know what? The, the story with the FinOps and DevOps is very related. Like when DevOps just came up, like how many? What is it, eight years ago? Yeah, 2013, 2014, something like that. DevOps started to pop up within, uh, within IT. And um, no one knew what the DevOps is, right? No one knew what DevOps is. Well, everyone was talking talking what the DevOps is and talking that this is the process or this is the methodology and so on. And same story about the FinOps. FinOps started started in 2019. This is the first time when I heard about that and I read about that. That and FinOps is basically financial operations or uh, like a process or methodology uh, on how to 
constantly um, manage your financial financial um, uh, billing information, financial costs on the cloud, basically managing your costs on the cloud, managing your your capex and opex. <laughs> okay, that makes Let's sense. Like that. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the synops. That's basically synops operations, and you have a couple of different ways to do that. Okay. Uh, again, the same story with the DevOps. DevOps is the processes methodology, but we have DevOps engineers. <laughs> right. And the same with the FinOps. FinOps is the methodology, and basically it has like uh, best practices. It has rules. So they say that uh, um, it's actually called inform, on, optimize, and operate. Um, this is the three concepts that the FinOps has. And you can in- implement in different ways. You can implement it as a process, as a methodology within your company, or you can, again, you can hire engineer or build the engineer or like create the engineer for yourself who will be just responsible for only the job. And this is what I see right now. Companies are building teams that could be ex DevOps engineers, just a DevOps engineer who just focusing on a financial part. That's it. He's just focusing on the financial part and he's like advocate. He's like, saying, why do you need this, this database? You don't need this database. It's like a too big or you don't need it. And so he's like advocate within the company. Right. Okay. Well, why, why don't we start? I think, you know, one way to kind of think about these problems is like, let's just walk through an example. So it's like, okay, we're a larger yeah. organization. You know, I'll be the, uh, you know, the token executive. It's like, why are we spending so much on cloud? We should be spending a lot less, right? It always kind of starts that way. And, you know, there's some financial pressure. And so, you know, if I, if I brought you in or Prophecy Labs or, you know, a team in, okay, first let's say, okay, we want to embrace uh, FinOps. Uh, so maybe the most basic question is, other than the FinOps, you know, in this case, engineer or leader leading the project, who are the stakeholders I need to get in the room? Like from around the company, who do I need to actually have in the room so we can start, you know, implementing this process? So, of, of course, you need someone who's respons- responsible for cloud infrastructure, which usually a DevOps team or a DevOps manager. Uh, sometimes it could be like a, just infrastructure team. and doesn't matter. Okay. So you Makes sense. Support. Yep. Definitely Second. got those people. Uh-huh. Second. Your your main stakeholder is CTO. Why? Because CTO is paying paying the bills. He's paying the bills. He's not paying the bills. He's approving the bills. He's approving <laughs> the bills. And, and the financial, financial department basically paying the bills. But he's approving that. So he okay. will approve you. He will approve the whole company infrastructure that this good or this bad, do that or do that. Okay. So you need to involve him. Then you need to involve someone from financial department, someone who is basically paying the bills, someone who put his his card or his uh, bank account uh, inside the AWS or GCP or Azure, someone who actually paying that. Why? Because they need to to be aware about how much they're spending, why they're paying that, about the growth estimation. So, so you need to invite invite him so i think that's the one that's we should like pause on because i think that's the kind of the new person right that like maybe maybe everyone doesn't know that person in the organization today but it it seems like to me and i I like your input here it's sort of it seems like that's the work you got to do it's like again not about technology it's like you have to go find somebody in finance that is both approving your your expenditures but then two is you have to get them to come to the meetings you know come be part of the team they can't just so I think sometimes that's a group, they just get emails and invoices and they say approve or disapprove and they don't, you know, they stay out of everything else. And it's like, I think for FinOps to be successful, right, you really need that person on the team. Is that correct? Yes, 
Exactly, exactly. You need that person on team. Not like on a team, but you need to collaborate with that. With that yeah, person. they need to be involved in the it. overall project. They yes. need to be involved. Mm-hmm. And they need to be involved like ongoing. It shouldn't be like a one-time action. They, they need to be involved on a, not on a daily basis, but maybe a couple of the meetings per week or two weeks per week. And then at the, at the end of the month to review the reports together with you. Uh, this is kind of the work that you will need to do with that, with that person. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that so and, that's and great. This so, okay, is the, this is mm-hmm. the, I will add uh, again. How everything started? We were we were working with the data centers. We were working the actual hardware, and and we had the financial department. And if I need a new server, I basically like like uh, writing a ticket that I need a new server. This is a server specification. Please go and buy it. Uh, buy it mm-hmm. to me. Yep. And then it goes to financial department. The financial department was was approving that. Was saying that you know what you already out of the budget. You cannot buy this uh, uh, this server. You like you need to wait for the new year. <laughs> Real story, by the way. Um, <laughs> and basically, we lost this process. That was the main issue. Once we moved to the cloud, we lost this process of approval approval for buying something on the cloud. Why? Because we get this flexibility that you can simply click on click on cloud a few buttons, and then you have a database, you have a server, you have whatever you want. With the Terraform, it it went beyond any imagination that that like i saw stories from people like accidentally were creating 1000 uh, nodes just just because he he made a mistake and then someone is paying for that yeah and we mm-hmm. lost this we lost this financial track we lost this uh, collaboration between engineers uh, it engineers and the financial department who is paying the money who's paying the bills okay so that's good all right so all right you know back to our example then so i found the person I brought them into the, the team. I've got my infrastructure engineer, got my procurement finance person. We have executive sponsorship. So we're, you know, now we're getting ready to go. So it sounds like the next thing we have to do is just, I think, figure out, I mean, this is again, sounds stupid, but like we have to figure out like, what do we have and what are we spending? Is that like the next exactly. step? Okay. So how would I, exactly. cause I think this is like easy to say, hard to do. So like what, like, what is the tool or what do you do to go in and, like, discover an environment or, like, figure that out? How do you do it? This is what the FinOps methodology says. It says that the first step is called inform. And what that inform includes, it basically includes includes the inventorization. It means that you need constantly do the inventorization. It's, it's, it's very simple to understand. First of all, before, like, cutting the cost, first of all, you need to understand what you own and for what you're paying. Like, you need to take a look on what kind of resources you have on the cloud, how many cloud accounts you have, you have, and then what's your overall billing, how much you're paying for that. And during this, like, a first step, you already can find something that that isn't logical, like something that 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 you shouldn't be paying for. Like, I, I saw a case when, when a customer said that, okay, we will try to do the interization what we have within the company, and they found the whole region that they were, were not using at all. Like the whole region within the company, they found out that like one DevOps engineer half a year ago created a bunch of different infrastructure there, and that infrastructure was waiting for developers, and no one ever connected there, and not deployed Just anything there. there meddling away. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, working for six months. No one ever checked that. So this is the first step. You need to do the initialization. And that's the problem. Why it's the problem? Because again, on each and every cloud, everything is divided. Like you have a database separately, you have a networking, then you have a, 
servers uh, compute, then you have um, like uh, other services, you have everything is, is, is separate. Even to take a look on the firewall rules, which are the security groups on AWS. Again, it's a different tab within the, within the yep. instances. It's like That's crazy. And it's only one region. If you have many regions, it's even more complicated. And yeah. guess what? Customers doesn't have one account. They have many accounts. And it's, it's usually between different clouds. So analyzing that, it's, it's crazy. Uh, uh, previously, previously, I was working in a big um, outsourcing IT company. And I was, uh, I was doing a project. Um, related to the cost reduction. What we were doing, we were like selling to big enterprise companies the, 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 the very pricey projects when the team of like five, nine engineers are jumping into, uh, into your account and they're doing, doing the analysis. We were collecting like everything, we're collecting resources, we're analyzing that. And again, we were doing it inside the Excel file. So it was taking a lot of time, a lot of effort. That's why it was very, very, uh, pricey, and you probably can can find a lot of consultancy companies who are doing that right now. Yeah, no, and definitely. And what we in prof in prophecy labs doing, we said that you know what, we shouldn't be doing that. We we automated this this process. We are collecting the list of resources instead of you. We're generating you the the architecture diagrams on the fly from your infrastructure. We're okay. showing you. Nice. In, in, we're showing it to you as a compute view, like everything in terms of compute, and we're generating you the networking diagram, even, uh, even uh, highlighting you the connectivity between your uh, pieces within the network. Uh, so we are giving that to you so that you can easily analyze what you have. We're also uh, collecting all the metadata about your resources, and we're showing it in one place. So we have like one page with all of the resources, um, and so are you like doing this, are you getting the account, you know, access to the accounts and then pulling that information in automatically? Like how, how is that working? How does that discovery process work and get inside your tool? So we are actually a SaaS solution um, mm -hmm. and a self-service platform. Okay. Uh, what, what, what that means, means that uh, people uh, registering themselves, the registration process is really sim simple. And once they register, they're getting the demo account. They're getting the access to the demo account. It's our okay. demo account. It's on AWS. They can play with that. That's 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 fine. At some point of time, they they like willing to add their own account. So they need to add their cloud account. They need to connect their cloud account to our platform. How to do that? There are two options. We have read only. And we have a full permissions. With the read only, it's clear we will get the read only access to the account and we'll be able to grab the metadata, we'll be able to generate a bunch of different recommendations and person can, can play with that. Okay, and with then the can I do this for like for all, any type of cloud? Like if I'm on GCP or AWS yeah, or Azure, are, like you, are, you do all that's, three? That's the idea. Okay. Uh, not all three, currently only two. Okay. Uh, it's AWS and GCP. Okay. And we're working on Azure. Our plan is to release in Q1. Okay, Q1 I got it. So, so back to the discovery side is, because I think this is the part that's like, again, sort of, maybe it's easy to understand, but hard to do. So one, it sounds like one is I just need to go to the team and tell me like, hey, tell me everything we have. Let me get read access to that account. Now, the other thing I've seen done, what you talked about, I'll call it like, like orphaned accounts or shadow IT. I find that sometimes you then go to the finance person that you've brought onto the team and you tell them, hey, give me all the bills. Let me see all the invoices you're paying. Because some, I mean, I hate to say it. I've seen cases like where like, 
that's the only place anywhere it shows up. Like nobody knows, you know, they just like, there's this invoice coming in being paid. And I find that's like another way to find like, you know, like I said, this sort of like orphaned accounts. Um, mm-hmm. Is that right? Is there any no, other no, way? Cause, no, it, cause, it's, it's, cause you want to pull it's, all of it together, it's, right? Totally true. If, if within the company, like the, um, everything is good in terms of accounts, I mean, good in terms of accounts means that a uh, company knows how many accounts they have and they know what those accounts used for. Like it's usually when a company is creating the organization within the cloud provider mm-hmm. and then adding all the accounts inside the organization, then they have at least some sort of, uh, sort of uh, good practice with the, with the accounts. What you're saying, this is, the, this is the use case when customer has a lot of accounts and they don't have any, any like, um, any clue what those accounts used for, like any, any clue. They just have a lot of accounts and they know what, what they're using those accounts for. And then the only way of, is, of course, uh, you need to go it from the financial side and you can go to the financial department. And of course, you're absolutely right. You need to yeah, and I think that's uh, a good incentive when you're trying to convince the finance person to come on is to tell them, it's like, well, listen, <clears throat> the first thing we're going to do is you're going to give us all these bills and we're probably going to find a bunch of accounts that we can just shut off. I always say that's like the first part of FinOps is just find a bunch of orphan stuff that nobody knows about and turn it off. And you look like a genius. Look at this. Look at all the stuff we turned off that nobody wants. So I think it's like, you know, if you will, easy win, easy win on, on the project. So, okay. All right. So we, we got all this information. I've got, let's just say I've now, I found all the accounts. I've, you know, I got everything. I'm pulling it together. I'm now looking inside, uh, uh, prophecy labs tools. Okay. And now, so now what starts to happen? Are you going to start to give me recommendations on what to do? Like, how does that part work? So, yeah, we have, uh, so you have our tool in order to do the initialization. You did, you checked it, everything is like fine. You take a look on the diagrams, you take a look on a, on a list of resources. And because we are multi-cloud, you ac- actually can can uh, generate a billing reports for all of the accounts all together and you can analyze all of them together. That's clear. So you did it. Okay, now you want to actually save the money. You want to take a look on recommendations. We have exactly. five main features which are giving you showing recommendations. The first feature is basically waste or wasted resources. It's like clear, we're tracking the, the wasted resources, leftover volumes, leftover snapshots, the resources that are idle for the last two weeks or they're shut down for the last two weeks. We're looking for those resources as well. Resources which are not used that much, like it's used only for five, 10% of their capacity. That's it. We're also highlighting that kind of resources. This is about, we're looking for like, uh, IP addresses that you're not using. We're even looking and tracking the um, images, the instance images, which are not used within your account. You have a custom image, but you're not using that. You're paying per month for that image just for to keep it. And we're looking for such. Second, we have a we have a functionality that gives you possibility to shut down your resources manually or per schedule. What kind of resources? any resources which can be shut down within the cloud. Uh, of course, like functions, you cannot shut down. That's the function, Function that's clear. But everything else you pretty much can, can shut down. And I even had a question about the RDS that on AWS, when you're shutting down the RDS database, um, it will start it up automatically in seven days, automatically. Even if you will shut it down, it will start oh, up. Okay. Why? Because, because Amazon need to do the maintenance. Oh. They need to start it up. <laughs> oh, makes and sense. Okay. To... All right. Good to know. But, 
but the problem is that they're not shutting it down. Yep. So they will start it up, they will do the maintenance, and it will be started up. Mm, and sneaky. That's a sneaky little uh, <laughs> thing. Interesting. Good to know. It's sneaky, and inside the documentation, it's at the end, and it's like a small... <laughs> It's, it's like a footnote, like, like we can't even read yeah. it. Magnifying glass to read that one. Okay. Yeah, All right. So, so you got it. So you're it's checking it. It's checking yeah, it. Yeah. It's shutting down. It's not letting it to start up. No, I think that's great. So you, I like it. You've read it. So it's like, okay. So we pull it in. You're going to show me the bills, show me the stuff that I can just turn off. Now you're going to give me some schedules to idle some stuff that isn't like it. Okay. And you mentioned, I think there's, there's three more. What were the other three things? Yeah. Three more. So uh, next one is right sizing. Basically, um, we looking for anything that can be right sized, and right sizing is working two sides. So it's looking for something that is not is not used or is not used that, that much, or vice versa. You have something that is loaded for one hundred percent, and of course we're saying to you that hey, you know what, you will not save money here, but you like using it for one hundred percent, like one hundred percent CPU CPU loaded, which is bad with Go and and. And, and so is the recommendation here like a new instance type? Is that what you'll come back and say, you know, exactly. don't use, yeah. you know, okay. Well, that's great because it, I mean, recommendation. You, you can apply it. Okay. And nice. It like, go, it, and it huh. will go create a snapshot. It will create everything. It will uh, convert it to the new instance type and oh, it, will okay. fail, it, will, it will roll it back. All right. And so have you done the work then? Because I, I don't know, they were talking at AWS reInvent the other day. Like, I don't know. I think there's like 600 different instances. Like there's just so many types. Like I just, I can't keep track of them. So, so you've done some of the work behind the scenes, some kind of algorithm or to pick out. It's like, okay, if it looks like this, recommend this instance, you know, or is that kind of, you know, what you do? Yeah. Uh, probably you, uh, you know, that on each and every cloud, there is like a built-in recommendations about the right sizing. Amazon yep. has, Google has it, Azure has it. Like you have those recommendations. The problem with those recommendations are too simple. They're like basic. That's mm-hmm. it. Nothing, nothing too complicated. Right. We decided it's not enough. So we, what we're doing, we're collecting like CPU memory IO for the last two weeks, um, going through the machine learning and getting that, that kind of different recommendations. Plus we're comparing it to the recommendations that, that cloud has. And then okay, good. Good. Giving, All right. giving everything. The, answering on your question, I have one company. Uh, who said that, hey, guys, we noticed that you're, like, giving recommendations to change the type from, like, pretty much the same instance type to pretty much the same instance type. I will give you uh, the idea. You're, like, using uh, the type which is based on Intel processors, and, of course, we will recommend you to go, again, to the Intel processors. Right, the Graviton and other things like that. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Why? Because we don't want to be responsible for... For your workload, which is which is running there, and we don't know your workload. You know your workload, mm-hmm. so you should decide what instance type is better for you, the the graviton or not. Yeah. But this customer said to us, you know what? We're like smart enough. We're really good in in in, in what we're doing in IT. We know our application really good. Can you show us the metrics of all possible options, like everything, <laughs> even okay. if it's going to be the recommendation to go to IRM? I said, right. but you realize that if we'll go to a RAM, it will break your application because your application is not that uh, is not supporting that architecture. He said that we know, but we're a big enterprise company and we are planning everything ahead, like three years ahead. And if we see that the the cost reduction on like going to IRM will be will be very good, maybe we will sit and we will uh, redevelop our application to support IRM. This is the use case from real okay. life. 
All right, we'll well, decided that mm-hmm. we will do that. We will we will show that. With that so you'll actually give like I mean that's another. I guess that's kind of like a secondary part. It's sort of like providing the application engineers more information so that you know so they can make the decisions. Because that's something you know I always think about too. It's you know who has all the knowledge. It's like you have all the knowledge of all the instances and the cost, right? And somebody has the knowledge of the the workloads. You have to bring Workload, that together. So yeah. kind of back to like you know involving the application engineer on the FinOps team as well, right? Have them come in yeah, and say, make a decision. Yeah, yeah, can yeah, I use yeah. Graviton? Can I use Intel? Like what you know? Where is this platform specific? Where is this platform generic and things like that? Okay. And all right. So I think that was three, and then you get two other things four. in there. So what, or, uh, uh-huh. we're doing the we're doing the spots. Where, um, all the spot instances the, yes tell me about that we're doing the spot instances um there are a couple of things that we are doing only we are doing there are no no competitors in this in this area at all uh what those things are first of all uh it's clear that we automated the process of converting the regular instances to the to the spot instances that's like that's clear because this is a big struggle for engineers to do this conversion second of course we are managing the spot instances of course we are looking for replacement when the cloud provider is taking their resources out of us, of us. What we're doing in case if we are not able, we're not capable to find a replacement. We're converting it back to as it was. We're converting it okay. back to the normal on-demand resources. Uh-huh. Then again, looking for the spot. And if we're capable to find it, we're converting again it to, to spot. And that's not, uh, not uh, everything. We can convert and manage spots, not only for instances, we can do it for Kubernetes clusters, we can do it for container services, we can do it uh, even for um, uh, SageMaker, machine learning as a service on AWS mm-hmm. side. Yeah. So we support more than just instances and auto-scaling groups. We support, support EKS. Okay. So to make sure I I'm totally get this, it's, it's, it's really what you do is you're going to say, hey, these workloads that you've got kind of running, sustaining continuously, you're going to tell me it's like this could be a spot. You can move this over yeah. to a spot instance, and then you know you can help me do that. And then you can, you know, and of course for everybody, you know, I think everyone knows this, but you know, spot instance basically sits idle, you know, all the time until, boom, it's needed. It wakes up, does its work, and then it goes back to sleep. Right. And so, that's not everything. That's not okay. everything. Um, we also can put the spot instances uh, to sleep. We actually can shut them down based on the schedule. So, for example, okay. we can say that you know what, um, you don't have your uh, your developers are not working during the night, so you don't need to have your like ECAS cluster during the night. So you can you can you shut can that down, right? Okay. Shut it down, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's using the spot instances, so we can create a schedule. We can say that during the night we don't want to have a spot resources at all, so the platform will not even try to create the spot resource during the night. Got it. And it will try it. to create it on during the morning. If it will fail again, it will create the on demand. <laughs> okay. Not the, not the, this is the fault. The five. Uh-huh. Uh, the five is the reservations. This is the okay. story that I started that customers usually saying that, please provide me with a couple of the options. My problem is that there is no reservations calculator. Like, I want to have a calculator and play with that different option. Yep. I want to give those options, but I need to calculate them, them by myself. That's why we developed the reservations calculator. In that calculator, you basically can choose the commitment period. You can, you can choose... For, um, uh, do you want to pay everything upfront or partial upfront or no upfront? You can choose for which services you want to take your reservations. And we have like a seven simple questions where people can answer those question, questions. And depends on those questions, we will, um, we will recommend a different, different like uh, reservations 
I like it. So really, it's kind of both both ends, right? It's sort of like you can look at my workloads and say, move these to the spot, right? And then you can move to these long running workloads and say, hey, you know, these are going to be running all the time. So let's do some reserved instances. And then that we can usually get some preferred pricing from our cloud vendor if we reserve it for some periods of time. So you're kind of giving me, you know, it's like, uh, do you want to buy, lease, or just buy buy on demand, right? Mm -hmm. That's the idea. We're giving you a tool. And you are, uh, uh, you know your workload better than we, right? So we're just giving you a tool and you can play with the tool. You can decide what kind of recommendations is more suitable for you, what's recommendations not suitable for you. And for example, this calculator is smart enough to understand that you have a spot resources. Of course, you don't want to, to uh, reserve instance those spot resources or to, to buy the saving plans for those spot resources. And okay. it's even uh, including the, this, uh, uh, shutdown schedule so it 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 it's smart enough to understand that you're shutting it down during the night which means that you don't need to buy the reservation for for this time you don't need to buy like that amount of savings or that amount of reservation okay all right now i know we're getting yeah. uh, short on time but i did want to at least get on because i think we talked a lot about the compute side maybe just you know give us the highlights what about network and storage is there anything you're doing yeah, specifically sure. in that area because I know, especially networking, people are always concerned about networking. How can you help or yeah. what, what should I be thinking about there? Yeah, the, the big problem about the networking is basically how to include the networking inside the pricing, inside the billing. Because I don't want just to get that, that I paid for the networking like this amount of money. I want the breakdown. Show me how much I spend uh, traffic for this specific S3 bucket. How much of the traffic I spent for this specific load balancer. Mm-hmm. How much I spent for this specific database. What was the price for the traffic between those two VPC, VPCs, VPC peering, peering. and uh, like the billing that clouds have, it, they just combine all of all of that together and they're showing it to you. And there is no break, breakdown. What we're giving, we're providing smart enough billing information where you can go inside, you can drill down, and you can find out where where you spent, where the traffic was spent, and how much you paid for that. And we even calculating the the traffic per S3 buckets, and we're even calculating the size of S3 buckets, and we're collecting, calculating even the price for S3 buckets, including the size plus networking. Okay, and then do you, are you doing the same kind of thing, making recommendations on like what I should be doing, like how to configure that to save money, or are you just kind of giving that as a, a, a way for me to know about those costs? No, 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 of course. We're giving you recommendations like, um, you know what, we see that this specific S3 bucket, for example, this specific S3 bucket, has a very low amount of traffic, and at the same time, you're using a completely um, different tier type. You, you need to go like to a different tier type. To, to gotcha. Gotcha. So it's the same, so it's same type thing. So, 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 so given that recommendation, yeah. All right. So we've done all of this. You know, we, I'm going to declare success. And I think you know the thing that I'm walking away with is, as we all know, cloud is dynamic. New resources, new applications yeah. are going to be added and removed. And I think this kind of goes back to where we maybe started this conversation. Is like. This is an ongoing process, right? You know, I think that's the whole point. You can't have the the procurement person leave and be like, it's over. And, you know, everyone say like, oh, we instrumented the tools. It's, it's you know, you kind of see in here, right? It's like all the things you talked about. It's like new applications come up, instances run longer, workloads go from, you know, reserve to spot, networking goes from high bandwidth to low bandwidth. So I guess that's the, the main message is, right, it, it, to me is to just keep doing this and make it part of your process don't make it part of a, a one-off optimization, uh, exactly. you know, uh, project, if you will. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know what? In terms of FinOps, I saw uh, dev teams who are doing the FinOps. Like, 
mm-hmm. in terms like like I was telling you a story about the DevOps when the development team was doing the whole DevOps uh, DevOps uh, job, and now I saw a development team who is doing the FinOps uh, FinOps part. But how they're doing it? They're doing it in a smart way. So for example, they're like changing changing the Terraform code, they're like adding a new resource, mm-hmm. and in the plan of that Terraform code, they're getting the message for how much their billing will be increased if they will if if they will apply it. Like they are having a constant review or constant constant notification from the automation on how their cost will be will be increased or decreased if they will do or not do that or that yeah no you're hitting on a, the perfect thing and you know i think that's what we're all working toward whether it's like devops finops devsecops and things like this like the thing you're talking about there is at the end of the day we want to add the instrumentation we want everyone to see it and once people start to see it, they can start to act on it, right? They can make changes exactly. because they, yeah. I'm going to make the changes based on the pricing price that I'm using in the instances because now I'm educated. Just like the security engineers would say the same thing. Like now I'm always going to do this type of code scan or security scan before I deploy, right? And it's just yeah. it's about bringing it together. So, you know, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. I think the, the message is like, you know, bring it all together, you know, get, you know, it's not really, you know, maybe we should just call it one ops. It's not thin ops, dev ops. SecOps, it's like it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's trying to build all this together, and it's like it's not easy, right? To your point, it's like it's over time, though, just keep building those teams. So, all right, well, this has been very educational for me. I've learned quite a bit. Now, if people would like to get in touch with you to talk more about prophecy or just ask you questions, where can they find you online? Uh, yeah, sure. They, um, you can find me online um, by sending me an email to anton at prophecy.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Anton Grashko, very easy. LinkedIn or email. All right, well, that's great. To get in touch with you. Yeah, I have, and I will. By the way, I also um, have a I have a blog on Medium.com, so I can I even answer in the comments there, so we can even talk there. All right, I like it. I will make sure that we have links to all of those uh, at the show notes. You can probably see them in your podcast player right now, or you can go out to the website, and we'll make sure you have all uh, the information on how to contact uh, Anton. So, Anton, thanks a lot for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, thank you. All right. Well, if this is your first time listening to Software Defined Talk, well, then welcome. Hopefully it's been a good one. You can always subscribe by probably going to your podcast player right now or visit us at www.softwaredefinedtalk.com. There you can join the Slack. You can follow us on all the social media. And for those that want it, if you send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And with that, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time.